honored to bring the word um, in the absence of Pastor Jesse. Um, I'm excited for what God has placed on my heart today. I'm going to be along the same lines of a little bit about what he's been talking about, which is, um, which is victory, the Lord teaching us how to win. And um, so this is what the, the, the Pastor Jesse has been, um, has been teaching us, is, is the Lord is teaching us how to win. He's been showing us through the scriptures that God is raising up winners, that the Lord wants you to be uh, victorious in this life. He wants you to be a winner in this life. No, we're not called to be losers. We're not called to sit in any type of complacency, in any type of bondage. No, we are meant to be victorious. Amen. One of the foundational scriptures that Pastor Jesse has been reading out of is Psalm 98, verse 1, and it says this, sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown his saving power. The, verse 2 says, the Lord has announced his victory and revealed the righteousness to every nation. Someone say amen. See, the Lord is victorious. We serve a victorious God. We serve a winning God. Therefore, we cannot be losers. Therefore, we are also winners. Amen. And so today, we've been talking a lot about winning. We've been talking a lot about victory these past couple weeks. And so today, I want to put a little spin on that. And I want to speak from the topic, redefining victory. So if you're taking notes, go ahead and write that down. Redefining victory is our topic, is our title tonight, or this afternoon. I'm used to speaking at night to the youth on Tuesday nights. So forgive me if I, if I say that a couple more times. So we've, we've, we've been talking about victory. But today, I want to ask the question, what does that even mean? Because I think a lot of times we say, yeah, I want to be victorious, so I'm going to get the promotion. Yeah, I want to be victorious, so I'm going to have millions of dollars in my bank account, which there's nothing inherently wrong with those things. That's another sermon for another Sunday. But I, or again, this afternoon, I want to talk about what victory means as it pertains to the Word of God, as it pertains to our walk with Christ. So let's pray one more time, and then we'll get into the word. Father God, I come before you. Jesus, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for every person in this place. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity once again to, to bring your word. Let it be your word spoken today, not mine. Let it be your heart shared, not mine. Lord, make me completely your mouthpiece today as we dive into the scriptures. You are worthy of all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. So let every word that comes out of my mouth give you just that. We give you worship, we give you praise, and all God's tiny little children said, amen. So we're going to start in Daniel chapter 3. I want to start in Daniel chapter 3 because I want to look at some, some Bible characters today that I believe were victorious people, that I believe were victorious men, and, and, and I want to draw from them what victory really means. What, 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 we want to redefine victory. We want to redefine winning. What does that mean for us as as believers, and so read. We're going to read in Daniel chapter three, verses fifteen through eighteen. I'll give you a second just to turn to it. This is one of my favorite passages of scriptures, um, and uh, and we're going to read from it today. If you're there, say Amen. Let's go ahead and read today. It says Daniel chapter three, verse fifteen. It says, "I will give you one more chance." To bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. So if you don't know this passage of scripture, let me give you some background. What's happening here, are these, these three Hebrew boys, and they are, are being told to bow to the false idols, the false gods, and the false statues that the king of the day, his name was Nebuchadnezzar, has set up for the citizens of the day, right? And he's saying, you need, every time I, I play the musical instruments, every time I give the signal in obedience and in honor to me, the king, I need you to bow to the statues that I've created. I need you to build, or excuse me, I need you to bow to the statues that I've built. And there's these three boys who, who are, are loyal to the Lord. And they say, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm, I'm sorry we're not doing that. With all honor and all respect to you, my Lord, we, we only bow to one king. We only bow to one God. We're not doing that. Regardless of what you tell us, regardless of what you uh, threaten us with, we will not bow to the false gods. We will not bow to any false idols. And Nebuchadnezzar in this, he gets frustrated. He says, all right, well, we're going to throw you into this furnace as punishment because you didn't want to follow suit. I mean, we're we're in a world where they want to throw you into the fire. We're living in a society today where they want to throw you into the fire when you won't follow suit with the falsehood, when you won't follow suit with the lies, when you won't follow suit for everything that is anti-Christ. And so he, he says to them, I'll throw you into the flames then. And so they said, you know what, Nebuchadnezzar, do what you need to do, but the God whom we serve is able to save us. The God whom we serve is able to see us through anything that you could possibly threaten us with, anything that you can put us through. See, what's very important to understand, remember, we're talking about victory. We're redefining victory today. What's important to understand is it's not that the flames weren't coming. It's not that they didn't go through the fire. They were in the fire. And so if you know the story well, well, you know that they end up entering into the fire that King Nebuchadnezzar looks down and he says, wait a second. He says to his servants, wait a second, did I put a fourth man in the fire? And he said, no, you only put three. And they come out of the fire, not even smelling of smoke. So God gave them the victory. Amen. But but let's back up for a second because I want to, uh, uh, what's the word? I want to propose something to us today. I want to suggest that the victory didn't come when they came out of the fire. They didn't have victory because they weren't burned. No, they had victory, watch this, victory because of a perspective. Write this down if you're taking notes. It's that victory is a perspective. See, they had already won. They had already won because they decided that they were going to choose what a winner does. I'm going to serve the Lord. And what comes, what goes, what, what, what comes after us, what, what attacks us, what the world tries to put us through, what the, what the evil and the darkness tries to put us through, no matter what happens, I'm still victorious, I'm still a winner, because I'm going to choose to do what a winner does, and that is serve the Lord no matter what. They say, King Nebuchadnezzar, no matter what, we will not bow to your statues, and the God whom we serve is able to save us. And he says, but even if he doesn't, we still won't bow. Because their perspective was different. 
Their perspective was not to live is to win. Their perspective was not stay out of the fire and we win. Their perspective was not even get through the fire and we win. Their perspective was even if you put us through the fire and even if he doesn't save us, guess what? We still win and we still will not bow because victory is a perspective. Victory says, no, I will not bow. Victory is is a perspective. In Colossians 3.1, excuse me, Colossians, yeah, in Colossians 3.1, it says this, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. What's this verse telling us? It's saying set your sights on something different. Shift your perspective. Change the way you look at the situation. Change the way you look at the circumstance. It's saying set your, your, your mindset on something higher. And then it says this, but pay attention because this is important. It says, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. So every time scripture brings up the right hand of God, that represents a couple things. It represents power and it represents authority. So what this scripture is telling us is to be a winner, right? We need to shift our perspective. We need to not think about the circumstance. Excuse me. We need to not think about what's going wrong in our lives, we need to set our sights on the realities of heaven. The realities of heaven is that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father with power and with authority. So when I'm facing the fire, my perspective is not on the fire. My perspective is, you know what, no matter what I'm facing, I serve a God who has power and who has authority over any circumstance that can come my way. See, we, victory is a perspective. They shifted their perspective. The next time you're going through the fire, you say, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to think about the circumstance. I'm going to set my sights on heaven. I'm going to shift my perspective and understand that there is power and authority because of who lives in me. Amen? See, victory is also, it, it's a perspective, but it's also a posture. If we can go to another passage of Scripture, and that's Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, I'm going to be reading in verse 54 to begin with, 54 through 59. It says this, Acts chapter 8 says, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. Let me pause. Let me give you some background. Uh, Stephen was preaching the gospel. That's what's happening. He was bringing, he was preaching the gospel to some religious and some government leaders in the day, and they didn't like what he was having to say, so this is the response. He says, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fist at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven. Wait, there's that perspective again, right? It says, and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the, God, and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Wait a second. They're, they're about to kill this man. And he's focused on power and authority. 
That, that, does not, that, that shakes up our whole way of thinking, right? Is that I'm dying and all I can focus on is the power of God, is the authority of God, is the glory of God. See, we have narrowed life down to do I live or do I die. We have narrowed it down, uh, or we have um, watered it down. We have watered life now to do I live or do I die, to win or lose, right, on either side of the spectrum. No, no, no. See, to, to, to live is not necessarily to win. Living doesn't necessarily equate to winning. Because Paul said this, right? He said to live is Christ, meaning if I live, I live for Christ. But to die is what? Is gain. Because if I die, I see what, what Stephen saw. I see the heavens opening up. And I get to go be with Jesus. I get to go be with my creator. I get to go be with the Father. See, as Christians, we have to live with this perspective. We have watered down our purpose. We have watered down our calling. We have watered down our winning to I want to live. I want to be successful. I want to get puffed up. I want to have everything that I want to have in life. See, but that is not victory. That is a victorious perspective, and it's not a victorious posture. See, the posture of Stephen was this. As they drag him out, uh, of the church as we continue reading in 57 it says then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting they couldn't even take what Stephen was what Stephen was saying they rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him and so as they did this Stephen's posture was this looking up to heaven and you continue reading and it says that he said the Lord Jesus Christ received my spirit See, Stephen had already won before he died. Why? Because he had a posture that says, here I am, Lord. So live or die, I'm going to go be with Jesus. If I live, hear me today, if I live to live victoriously, to live in, in a winning fashion, when I live, I'm living for Christ. And if I'm not living for Christ, then I'm not winning. I could have all the money. I could have all the fame. I can have all the success. I can have all these worldly material things. But if I am not living for Christ, I am not winning. And our perspective and our posture needs to begin to change today. Is that, Lord, I want to be a winner. Well, what does that mean? Let's redefine victory today. It's that I'm going to live for Christ. It's that I'm going to put down everything that is weighing me down. I'm going to take off everything that's weighing me down. I'm going to set it to the side. I'm going to die to myself today. I'm going to die to my flesh, and I'm going to say, Lord, receive my spirit. Because, see, Stephen did that before he even died. And, and I think the thing, the thing of, of Stephen's victory is that it, that wasn't just Stephen's posture. See, that won't, when you're on your deathbed, when you're on your way out, when you're on the losing end of things, your posture doesn't automatically become, Lord, receive my spirit. See, while Stephen was living... While Stephen, before Stephen was in this predicament, he had that posture, Lord, receive my spirit. Live or die, Lord, receive my spirit. Lord, have your way with me. See, Stephen, I, I want to take, take it a little further into Stephen's life for a second. See, Stephen was a winner. But Stephen, he's not how we view winners. He's not how we view success and, and victory and, and oh look because Stephen, if you read in the chapters prior, this is what was happening. Can I give you some some Bible really quick? See, this is what was happening: is that the apostles of the day, they were building the church with humans, with imperfect humans, just like you and I. 
where, where people's emotions got out of whack, where, where, you know, people fought and got in arguments and did silly things, right? Because we're human beings. It's the same thing since the beginning of time, right? And so there was this issue going on where they, they were trying to sort the food out to feed, you know, the believers. The church at the time, if you read, uh, again, I'm giving a lot of background here, is that the, the church at the time, they took care of each other. They all put their money, put their resources in a pot, and they all drew from that well, right? And so there was an issue with the way the, the food was being um, distributed. And, and the apostles were saying, you know what, us as teachers, we can't, we can't waste our time with the, with the food issue. It's important, but that's not what I, we need to be doing. We need to be spending time preaching the word. This is what the apostles were saying. So we're going to elect trustworthy people to take over this task, right? Just like today. Sometimes pastor, he needs to focus on taking care of the sheep. So he might ask, he might ask us. To, to take care of something for him. It's the same concept, right? The church of, of, of then should be the church of today. I, I digress. And, it's, and it says that one of those people that were elected to take care of that task was Stephen. And so let me put it to you this way. Stephen's a winner. This is the martyr Stephen who preached the gospel, got stoned, and then and said, Lord, receive my spirit. What a, what a precious moment, right? That same Stephen was the lunch lady. That same... That same Stephen said, Lord, receive my spirit. Have your way with me. And then said, do you want beans and rice with that? See, to be a winner is to have the humility of Stephen. Is to have, see, this was always Stephen's posture. Is this posture of humility. This posture of, Lord, receive my spirit. Lord, have, have your way with me. See, but we want to be, and sometimes we get in the church and we want to be on on the stage. We want to be on the platforms. We want to have our name in lights, and we want people to know us. And, and all that Stephen said was, Lord, whatever you need with me, you need me to serve lunch? Lord, I'll serve lunch. You need me to go before the council and preach the gospel? I'll do that too. But if you need me to sweep the floors in the cafeteria of the church, God, I'll do that too. Lord, but if I need my life taken and for you to, for me to go meet with you to, 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 to preach the gospel and to get the message of Jesus Christ across, Lord, have your way in my life. And either way, Stephen was a winner because he, he, he had the perspective that Paul did. Without, it goes without saying, right? And you see it in Stephen's life is that win or lose, live or die, I'm a winner. I'm victorious because the Lord holds my spirit. The Lord has my, has my life. See, victory, it, it's, it's a posture, we have to begin to change the way we think. We have to begin to change perspective, and we have to begin to change our posture on our knees. Lord, here's, here's my spirit. That's the way we lead. That's the way we lead our lives. And finally, it says this in, in 1 Corinthians 9.19. If you'll go there with me. 1 Corinthians 9.19, it says this. Are you there with me? A few more seconds. Man, we got to shift our posture. So, some of us, we, we really just need, we really just need to, to ask and allow the Lord to, Lord, just shake up what, what I, my preconceived ideas of you, shake up my preconceived ideas of, of what this walk should look like, of what my life should look like, and, and come to a place where we say, you know what, Lord, my life is not my own. 
You died for me, Lord. So I'll live for you. But I'll also die for you. Lord, my life is, is not my own. We have, we, have to, we have to correct our posture here. We have to rectify our posture here. In 1 Corinthians 9.19, it says this, Even though I am a free man with no master, this is, this is Paul, he says, Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to, to Jesus. That's not what it says. I become a slave to the Lord. No, it's not what Paul's saying in this, in this moment. Paul says, I become a slave. If you're there with me, what does it say? To all people. Wait a second. Hold on. Because I'll, I'll serve God. I'll, I'll serve Jesus. He's worthy of it. But you want me to, now you want me to serve that, that leader in church that I don't really care for? Now you want me to serve my supervisor at work that is always getting under my skin. Yeah, but see, Paul said, I become a slave to all people. What Paul's saying is, if I want to be free, I can be free. I'm a free man. I have no master. I'm not here on earth. He's saying, I'm not a slave to anybody. I've made myself a slave, though. I've chosen, and see, therein lies the the very uh, foundations of victory being shaken up. Because Paul... I think if you know the, the, the story of Paul, the life of Paul, we, we would all say Paul's a winner, man. Paul's a go-getter. Paul, Paul is the New Testament, right? Like, that's Paul. That's Apostle Paul, man. And Paul said, I become a slave to all people. So Paul's perspective was shifted. His posture was shifted. But see, now this is our, 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 our other point here and what redefining victory is that victory is people. What do, you, what do you mean by that? See, he says, I become a slave to all people. To how many people? To all people. To bring many to Christ. Another version says to win many to Christ. I've become, a, I, what he's saying is I've taken what the world would tell me is my life. I have taken what, what is my freedom, and I've said, no, I give that up for the cause of Christ. I give that up for the sake of the gospel. I give it up, and I become a slave, not just to Jesus, not just to the Lord, sovereign God in heaven almighty, not just the one who's worthy of it, but to those who aren't worthy of it, to those that excuse me, to those that have wronged me, to those that have, have attacked me, to those that have persecuted me, I become a slave to those people. Why? For the sake of winning them to Christ. See, victory is about people. I'm sorry if it's to shake up our preconceived ideas today, but victory isn't about you. If you want to be a winner, don't, don't be... A, a, a winner like I'm a winner like I win, be a winner of souls. That's victory. Is I'm going to give my life up to win people to Christ. That is victory. Church, we are in the fight of our lives right now. We are in the battle of our lives, the war of our lives. We are at war with the king of darkness. And they are not being shy about it. They're not being shy about it. Everything's in your face. All the falsehood, all the lies, all the deceit is in your face. And, and young and old, 
and anywhere in between, it is time for us to stand up and be winners and be victorious. We cannot sit on the sidelines. We have to be active in this. He says, I, you see, because to be a slave to someone, that means you're working. That means you're doing something. And some of us have said, Lord, here's my life, but are not doing anything. Right? We have to, we have to get active now. See, we, we, ta- we had a meeting with, uh, with a youth uh, a couple of weeks ago. And you know why I have faith for this generation? You know why I have hope that this generation is being raised up as winners, is being raised up as victorious? Because after service, we had a little backyard service. And after service, when we were supposed to be eating s'mores and playing games, we had students come to us. We had young people, the youth, come to us and say, wait a second, wait a second. We got to pray. Why do we have to pray? Well, at school, they're setting up... um, they're setting up a new building, and they want to have a, what's the word, um, a unisex bathroom. Because they're pushing this thing now of, like, you can be whatever you want to be, right? You know why I'm hopeful for this generation? Because we have a generation, when shown the word of God, when presented the entirety and the fullness of the word of God, the boldness to stand up and say, no, we need to pray. Something needs to be done about this. And my prayer is that it wouldn't just be in the younger generation, and it wouldn't just be in the older generation. My prayer is a cross-generational uproar that says, you know what? We will not stand for this anymore. We are going to be winners. We are going to be victorious because we are in the fight of our lives. And guess what? We are on the winning side. See, we have to shift our perspective. But victory is people that we're fighting not to win the argument against the people that believe in the unisex bathroom and whatever else. We're, we're not in this war to win the argument. We're not in this war to win a political debate. We're in this war to win souls. See, if we go, let's go back really quick to Acts. If they're quick enough, I'm right here. In Acts chapter 7, again, when you continue to read, let's go to, to verse 59. It says, as they stoned him, Stephen prayed. This is powerful, Lord. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, listen to this. Let this minister to your heart today. As they're stoning him, as he's dropped to his knees on the, on the brink of death, This is what he says. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Verse 60, he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. See, the last thing on Stephen's mind when leaving this earth was the people that were stoning him. Was the people that were killing him. See, victory, it always comes back to people. It always comes back to souls. Stephen said, Lord, don't charge them with the sin. Now, now let, me, let me take this a step further here. In, in that same verse, in verse 60, it continues, and it says, Saul, later Paul, right? Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. 
you, you, you flip to, to halfway through chapter 8 is when we see the Saul to Paul conversion where the Lord meets him on the road of Damascus and completely turns his life around and he becomes arguably the greatest apostle that there, that there was in the Bible. But wait a second. What do you think might have happened? Now, now this is just, you know, we're, we're playing the what if game, but, but follow me here. What do you think might have happened or might not have happened if Stephen, because Saul, it says Saul witnessed this. As a matter of fact, it says that they laid Stephen's clothes at the feet of Saul. And it says Saul com- completely agreed with the killing of Stephen. And as Stephen dies, he says, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. What do you think would have happened, and it would have been rightfully so, what do you think might have happened or might not have happened if Stephen on his way out would have said, Lord, curse my enemies. Lord, kill these men. Punish them for what they have done to your servant. But we don't see that in Stephen. Stephen understands that this battle is not against flesh and blood, but of principalities and every power of the darkness, right? And so Stephen says, Lord, don't charge them with this sin, because I think the spirit of Stephen understood that there was something greater that was going to come out of this, and that was Saul leading to Paul, leading to an uproar, leading to the church of Acts exploding, and the word of God being taken forth. See, had Stephen chose his words differently, Had Stephen had a different perspective in this moment, it might have been that he spoke death into into Saul's life as Saul watched. But Saul, you've got to think that as he's getting, as he's going through this conversion from Saul to Paul and he's he's finding the Lord and he's finding Christ, you've got to think that somewhere in the back of Paul's mind, he thought back to to Stephen dying, to Stephen on his knees being stoned. And and as as he was looking down at Stephen in condemnation and in judgment and in death, Stephen did not curse him. Stephen didn't, didn't retort, didn't, didn't come, come back at him with harsh words. No, Stephen said, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And Paul, that was the first time I believe that Paul tasted mercy, tasted grace, tasted the love of Jesus. But that's because Paul, that's because Stephen understood that that victory is not life or death. Victory is not me versus him. It's, 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 that's, this is the battle. So therefore, that is the victory. See, victory it always comes back to people. And so here's our takeaway. I'm, I'm getting ready to close here. This is our takeaway today. Is we need to get hungry for souls again. We need to get hungry for souls again. There's a, there's a few more scriptures that I want to read. Let's turn to the book of Isaiah. We'll start in, in chapter 59. We, we need to get active. We need to, we need to get out there. We need to be intentional about telling someone about Jesus, about telling someone the truth of the word of God. Because we have, we have the, the kingdom of darkness at work right now, and they're not being shy about it. And they're not relenting anytime soon. If I can suggest to us today that in 2022, <laughs> the, the enemy's not going to relent. He, he, he's not going to, man, we put, we put Momentum Church through enough this year, man. We, let's just give him a break. Let's, let's focus on the church down the street. No, no, no. If anything, I believe that as we catch this revelation more and more that it's time to move, that the enemy is going to come harder at us. 
is what it says in Isaiah uh, 59. We're going to read in verse 14, 14 through 16. Isaiah 59. Re- read this and, and listen to these words, man. This, is, this blew my mind when I read this. It says, our courts oppose the righteous, and justice is nowhere to be found. Oh, by the way, this is the people of God. This is not, this is not the world. This is not sinners. This is not outside the church. This is the people of God in, in its day. It says this. It says, our, co- our courts oppose the righteous, and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets, and honesty has been outlawed. Yes, truth is gone, and anyone who renounces evil is attacked. That sounds a lot like the day we live in today, right? And then it says this. Listen to this. It says, the Lord looked and was displeased to find there was no justice. Listen, he was amazed. We're talking about the Lord. We're talking about God Almighty, the creator of creation, the beginning and the end, Alpha and Omega. It says that he was amazed. We amaze God. You know that? We amaze the Lord. He was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. He was amazed to see that no one stepped up. He was amazed to see there was no winners in the land. He was was amazed. We need to wake up. We need to become winners again. We are in the fight of our lives, not for money, not for fame, not for riches, not for status. No, we are in the fight of our lives for someone's eternity. And how you lead your life matters. The words that come out of your mouth matter. Your actions matter. Your perspective, it matters. Your posture, it matters. And guess what? People, they matter. We need to become winners again. It says, he searched the land and and saw no one that was willing. He was amazed that no one had stepped up. That no one had said, Lord, send me. Lord, take me. Lord, I'll do it. Lord, I'll speak up. Lord, I'll stand up for truth. Lord, I'll go get the oppressed. Lord, I'll go and I'll do it, Lord. There was no one. But in verse 60, it says this, or excuse me, in chapter 60, it says this. Arise, Jerusalem. Let your light shine to see for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Why is it speaking this way now? Because Jesus had come. The Lord said, you know what? No one will step up, so I'm going to have to do it myself. I'm going to come down. I'm going to have word become flesh. I will die on a cross for your sins, and I will uh, reconcile you to the heart of the Father myself. And he came down and he did it. So then in, in chapter 60, he says, arise now. Get up now because I've done it for you. Arise, Jerusalem. Arise, people of God. Let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. And in in chapter 61, it says this. So what is he saying get up for? What is this glory that, that is shining on us for? In verse 61, it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners to be freed. 
He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now, these words speak of Jesus. But you know what happened at Jesus' death and resurrection? See, it wasn't that Jesus was buried. Jesus was planted. And as he rose again, up from that garden that was his grave, became a multitude of sons and daughters that could do the same thing that he was called to do. It was a multitude of sons and daughters that can now confidently, with a conviction, say, the spirit of the sovereign Lord has upon me, and he's called me to bring the good news to the poor. Let not the Lord look at our land, look at our generation, look at our congregation, look at our people, and say, man, <laughs> there's no one. Now, I believe that we're living in a moment and in a time where the Lord is raising us up, where the Lord is raising people up that will say, you know what? I don't care what it costs me. My life is not my own. I'll lay my life down. Lord, receive my spirit. I want to be a winner again. I want to be a winner again. We need to get moving. It's time to go. It's time to move. It's time to win. It's time to be victorious. It's time to win again. Come on, say, Lord, I want to be a winner again. Come on, say with a conviction. Say, I want to be a winner again.